come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Well, hello there. Welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. I am your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Adrian. I'm your polter guide, Mac. I'm your polter guide, Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we watched the 2019 Doctor Sleep, uh, based on the Stephen King book. All right, so let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Who wants we, to start? No spoilers. All right, yeah, we're we're spoiler free free right now, but we'll let you know when uh, when that changes. When that changes. I liked it. I delighted it. <laughs> oh, don't start it. If you, if you weren't ready to finish it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, and there were reasons specific that I liked it, but they're all spoilery, so, so I'll save them. I liked at least one of the movies that was in this movie. <laughs> I liked it. I think it was a little fat there in the middle, so I may end up agreeing with Adrian more than I'm comfortable with. Um, uh, but by and large, it's as good a sequel as The Shining was going to get. I think that perhaps uh, Ready Player One is a better sequel to The Shining than this is. Okay, well, no, I called that one too soon. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the universe writing itself right there, just like, yeah. nope, okay. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> oh, I, I loved it. I, I had a great time with it. I liked the book. Who read the book? Oh, I wait. I'm, I'm raising my hand here yeah. like people can see. So that Kenzie read the book. I read the book. I read half the book. Okay. I read half the book. I have not read the book, which I think might be a first for this podcast. I have not read the book. Okay. Right. I haven't even read The Shining. There was a point. <laughs> can we do? Can we start spoilers? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're in spoiler territory, okay. so, so skip to the end if you don't want to hear spoilers. My, I, I went to the movie with my friend Zeke, who is just a delight to watch a movie with, and uh, but he has also not finished reading The Shining. He started reading it, he didn't finish it. But he's such a King super fan, that, that's what surprises me. So, uh, when Dick Halloran showed up, I kind of had to look over to Zeke and go, uh, he lives in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also one of the first things that made me really like this movie, because that made it clear that this was a movie based on the book, not a movie based on Kubrick's The Shining. What? No, he was right. super dead. He yeah. was super dead. No, yeah. no. He disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, Sixth Sense style, when it cut away to Wendy running toward him and then back to Danny, Dick was gone. What are you talking about? Dick Halloran's dead. He's Dick a ghost. Dead. He's in, a horse ghost. Not, not when we first saw him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because yes. that's the whole thing with this Dick movie. Dead. Is, is, Dick real dead. <laughs> is, it's the bridge between yeah. Kubrick shining and King shining. Like just, that's, just the same as when Dan shows up to Abra at the end and he's... Already, yeah. he's dead. That is the same construction as the the opening scene with Carl Emley. You've ruined the movie. Donna's a little broken. Come to the dark side. Come to the Adrian side, Donna. Donna, yeah. Donna while you contemplate this for our I'm listeners so that don't know what this is about, I'm going to tell you what our good friends at IMDb say it's about. Yeah, I got nothing this time. So. Okay. <laughs> Uh, years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance meets a young girl with similar powers as he tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Sure, that's what, like, the middle third of the movie's about. 
I didn't even know they were called the true knot. They say it one. They say it one time. A lot of slang going around in this movie that is introduced incredibly late and very infrequently. Fleetwood Mac reveals their secret plan for world domination. (laughs) 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 Ultimate fate is revealed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Mm. Mm. Mom, he doesn't mean it. I love Mac, but apparently they killed some kids. I mean... I mean... Does does be, does be private behavior change the art that you take in? I don't know. <laughs> that is a discussion for, for a, different a, a different podcast. For our new Fleetwood Mac podcast. Does it matter if they kill kids? I mean, Stevie's been showing up playing a witch. podcast now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of it's kind of going there. So you're telling me when Danny and Dick Halloran were having a conversation on the dock in Florida, yes, that, that was supposed to be a ghost. Dick did. He yeah. did. Motherfucker. He did. Dick real did. But he visits. Yeah, he visits. I would almost side with you, except for the fact that Dick is just not there when Wendy shows up. Yeah, because they show the bench. And they show him getting up from I, the bench. I mean, right. they show Danny getting up from the bench, and Dick, there's nobody there. I, I was watching it, and I was thinking, I was wondering if he was alive. Like they would retcon the ending of The Shining. Like, yeah, he got axed in the back, but he lived. Yeah. Like the opening of the Lost World book. Mm-hmm. Like Ian Malcolm, who did not die, mm-hmm. but no. Once the camera shifted and any sort of POV change, Dick is gone. Well, in the book, Doctor Sleep, Dick lived. Right. Yeah. Damn it. No, I was the same way. Until you saw Wendy running at him and still be... Wendy wouldn't have been that freaked out if Danny would have been with Dick. Like, yeah. she would have yeah. just been like... Okay. Yeah. Dick dead. Dick dead. Okay. Hashtag, Hashtag Dick, Dick dead. dead. <laughs> Since we're on older characters, I think Carl Lumley does a really great job. Oh, yeah. Dick Hall- like, mm-hmm. all the others, like, the lady who plays Wendy is occasionally doing a Shelley Duvall impression, but yeah, it's, it's really clear that it's not her. There were moments where I was I like, think- oh, man, they did they get Scatman's permission to do all this? Yes. To Yeah, so I, I thought he was really good. But then again, he's also the most present element from the old movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, was a, there was a moment when he kind of jutted his lower jaw out, and I was like, shit, that, yeah, yeah, that's Scatman. He, he is embodying Scatman. And there's always this temptation when you're playing a role that's very seminal in a new movie that you don't want to do the impression. And Lumley is both giving a performance that is emotionally believable mm-hmm. and doing enough of an impression to make it believable. Yeah. He's telling those two lines. I think he nailed it. Yeah. I agree. Should we jump right to the really bad Jack Nicholson? Okay. (sighs) I have thoughts on the Nicholson... Because it's because it's Elliot from ET. That's the thing that blew my mind. I was like, okay, now the list of things that I'm going to have to tell myself in the past include who's president, who's Batman now, and that Elliot from ET is now Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so I watched this twice, and the first time I saw it, I didn't realize that was Elliot from ET until the credits rolled. Mm-hmm. I literally did not know until he said it today. Okay. I didn't realize it until I looked at the cast list, and I'm like, wait, and I had to click on the name in Wikipedia, and then it brought up him. Him as well, and I was like, the same guy? I think when it works, and this was my thoughts yesterday, I think when it works is the profile. When you're not mm-hmm. seeing him dead on, I think he's doing not great, but he's trying to do that impression 
and character. See, I have and I'm fine with it as a profile, but when it's full-on friend, I'm like, okay, now I can see it's Elliot from E.T. I had the exact opposite reaction because I found his appearance so distracting. That was actually a, that was an important scene. That was a, yes. there was a lot of emotion going on in that scene, and I spent all of it going, is that supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I, huh. <laughs> I had a different problem with Jack's appearance in this movie. And that was, we saw Wendy and we saw Dick and we never saw Jack. And I was like, this is important that we're not seeing Jack. Because the, the guy that got to play Jack wasn't well, quite no, up to the, well, the challenge. Well, I actually really liked, like, I thought he was fine. Like, his acting was fine. And also, like, I'm not going into a movie that's happening, what, 34? 40 years? 39. 39 years after the original, expecting to see the original cast. Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. I can handle this. But my problem with it was actually the character of Jack. Because it's just what I wanted versus what the movie wanted to give to me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see a little bit of redemption on Jack. Oh, I'm not keep being... talking. Oh, that's <laughs> counter to that. Keep no, going. because... I understand. Keep going. <laughs> Well, in in the book, The Shining, Jack is not always crazy Jack Nicholson. In the book, he spends a lot of time being like, I actually give a dick about my family. And so, and I don't feel like we ever got to see Jack being an actually, like, good father in the movie. And so I think that I wanted to see a little bit of that. I would have really liked to have seen Jack help in the book. <laughs> How does it feel? <laughs> it's nuts. Okay. He does. Like, in the actual Doctor Sleep, he does. He's actually the one that, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's basically the one that saves Abra and Dan. Like, his ghost shows up and he is like... See, and I think that's what I, I, I wanted... I I'm, wanted some sort of cathartic closure because I realized that's not how life is, but I'm not watching a movie to watch life. I had the exact opposite feeling going in. I was dreading that they would do that, that they would redempt the Nicholson Jack Torrance, and I was glad that they didn't. I was way relieved because it feels like way too much of a harsh left turn for that character in the context of that first movie to be like, okay, I'm going to save you now. Yeah, that's I how I, I don't want to see him get like golden light and a Jesus pose. But oh, I desperately want to hear what Delilah had to say. I had I have not read the book, and so I've only experienced Jack Nicholson's... Mm-hmm. Why can't I remember? Jack Torrance yeah. uh, was the only... Jack's Jack. Jack's Jack was the only exposure I've had to that character, and I only knew him to be this malevolent yeah. being. And so for me... And I don't know whether I fall in the majority of people who watch the movies versus reading the book, having read the book. If they had done a redemption arc, I would have been like, where is this coming from? Like, this doesn't go at all. I think you can still have Jack help them and be and feel dangerous and malevolent. Like, like I said, I don't want him to have the golden light and the like, oh, but just to, you know, you can have him be crazy and like. Going after Rose the Hat. None of those ghosts seemed good. Yeah. None of those 13 ghosts. I would have been disappointed if there was even an inch of redemption for Jack Torrance as played by Jack Nicholson or Elliot from E.T. <laughs> uh, the problem is uh, Henry Thomas. Yeah, Henry Thomas. Uh, that's the actor's name. I mean, he's a, he's not a bad actor, but there. I remember from when we watched The Shining that scene in the ballroom where he was talking to the old Lloyd. There's such a life to Jack Nicholson's face that yes. he's being so awful, but he's also really charming, and that's what 
Elliot couldn't reach for. There's not yeah. that magnetic quality that, yes, you're doing awful things, but I kind of want to watch you keep doing yeah. them. He was not charismatic. No. Yeah. In that, not later. Like charismatic was, enough. Right, not To be like the, yeah. one of the more charismatic movie stars of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just really nailed what it is that makes Jack Nicholson successful, is that he can be awful and yet still... Very watchable. Very wa- very interesting. He has a sort of like carefree rock star attitude yeah. when he's delivering lines. So he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And you're like, great. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it, it, this is an interesting dovetail to another recent release. I'm assuming we've all seen Terminator Dark Fate. Yes. 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 I, I, actually, go ahead. I actually wanted to do an update. So we're going to detour over into Dark Fate for just a minute. I'll, I'll give the connecting tissue. Hold on a second. Yeah. I have not seen it. I don't care about spoilers, but we should probably say, right now, we're probably going to do some spoilers for Dark Fate. For Dark Fate, yeah. Uh, the opening scene takes place just a few years after Terminator 2. Its plot utility is certainly controversial, but its de-aging of those actors was seamless. It was really good. It was really good. Like, I believe that they shot that in 95 and mm-hmm. just had it in that canister yeah. waiting for this. Except for Arnold. Arnold looked a little weird. Yeah. But Linda Hamilton and Edward Furlong looked... They looked really good. Perfect. So you could have a version of this film that grafted... Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and mm-hmm. uh, Scatman onto their various characters. There would be some ethical questions about that because obviously yeah. Shelley Duvall has some struggles now and are you taking advantage of her more so than Kubrick did initially? Not sure that's possible, but I, continue. I mean, <laughs> but it's a question to ask yourself when you're doing it. If you're yes. a decent human being, you should ask am I taking advantage of this person? Yes. Who is mentally ill and perhaps not of sufficient faculty to advocate for herself. So the comment I wanted to make about Dark yeah. Fate is we spent a lot of time discussing what the Terminator would do if he had completed his mission, mm-hmm. and this movie answers that question, which is that he wanders <laughs> off and adopts a family. Yeah, there you go. That seems pretty perfect, actually. Super protective dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now back to. But I'm saying you you could have done this deep fake, for lack of a yeah. better term. Uh, what, yeah. Like what you were saying, Don. There was so much emotion that was should have been in that scene, and maybe there was, but I didn't notice it because I kept I was looking at Elliot as Jack, going, "Why are they doing this? We have had a lovely Grandma of Tarkin and a lovely, in my opinion." Princess Leia. You I know, think Princess Leia was lovely. Reverse whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, y'all can do this now. It's not like the Jeff Daniels in Tron. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Professor X and Magneto or, in X-Men 3. Yes. That was the beta of that technology. It was like, no, no, put it back in the box. Put it back in the box. <laughs> but by Dark Fate, say what you will about that movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like the technology has come to its own, which, by the way, if we haven't deep faked Michael Keaton into Batman Forever yet, you're cowards, holders of those technology. Cowards. <laughs> I, you, you didn't think I'd take it to Keaton, but I did. <laughs> I'm not surprised that, you know, three yeah. or five of us are wearing Star Wars shirts. You deserve your Batman mm-hmm. reference. Yeah. And you're, you're Keaton. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. We've had at least four Star Wars references already. <laughs> we, if we don't do at least two, then <laughs> something is wrong. You really thought Leia was okay in, in her I one. thought she was better than Grandma Tarkin. I'd say better oh, than Grandma Tarkin than Grandma because Tarkin. it wasn't used as extensively. I'm going to say that it was really good. And I granted, I have mentioned on this podcast before and other places, I often do not notice bad CG. Mm-hmm. But I did not even, it did not occur to me that this was CG when I was watching it. I honestly was just like, oh, I guess they had footage and like went on with the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was so fucking real. I mean, I knew it wasn't her, right. but I was like, God damn. Like, <laughs> you thought it might have been leftover footage from A New Hope. Not necessarily. I thought okay. it was CGI, okay. but my issue with Grandma Tarkin was 
his movement as he's walking around we parts of the CGI on Star Wars. were like yeah. were like jolty kind of as well, he was turning or doing this he's yeah. too much of a presence in the movie he's asked yeah. to do too much whereas Leia is literally just standing there boom yeah. hood, hood yeah. over the face she's not asked to do much of him that's true yeah and, and I recognize that yeah. that may be why I have the opinion that I do yeah. no, I agree um, with it that. may have also been just the effect of seeing her I, I never saw her in the theater yeah as Princess Leia huh not even with the special editions no what were you doing in 97? Um, I was in high school, but, yeah, but like, I had not been <laughs> properly exposed to Star Wars at that time. Uh, I, I, mean, I, I was, being, I was being in high school and broke. I remember the posters being up at the movie theater of, mm-hmm. you know, this is sure. the, what is remastered or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I didn't go see it. And okay. So, yeah. No, I mean, I think that perhaps the splendor of Leia. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was just like. It was, oh. it was too glittering and we yeah. were like, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. Everything is fine. But if she had shown up like half an hour earlier in the movie and was like walking around, I think we would have been that, in the same spot. Yeah. I think I still would have been like, this is fine. Yeah. I, I, I possibly could have too as well. No, like, yeah. When I go into a movie, a lot, I'm just like, there are certain things that I'm just going to accept in this. And I think that my main thing is if something looks bad, I'm going to do my best to pretend it doesn't look bad unless it's just unforgivable. Like Elliot playing Jay. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, you know, I actually didn't have much of a problem with Elliot as Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. because the the emotion in that scene to me felt really tense, mm-hmm. and I pretty quickly realized that I was not going to get any sort of like Jack was at some point an okay struggling father. And so going into that, I was like, this is the scene where we don't get the closure that we want. And so what it felt like to me was Jack trying to be somebody else. Like, it felt very much like there was a lot of tension in here. And, like, everything was very low-key because if anybody moved too much, something was going to explode. Right. Yeah, there was definitely the danger aspect of that exchange, but for me, what I always took from that scene, this is strictly for Dan. Like, this is what he would have wanted to say if he'd have been alive. You were this, you were that, and like some situations where you confront somebody, they're not going to change, and you you have that realization like, they're always going to be... I, I would have almost preferred if they hadn't got somebody to play the corporeal figure of Jack. Yeah. Like force if, goes if, that. If it had been a... Vo- no, not even a force goes, <laughs> just a voice. Like, yeah. you could even play it thematically. Like, Dan doesn't even really remember what his dad looks like anymore. Yeah. It's just this screaming voice coming through the door. Oh, I got chills just yeah. now. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. However, I just thought of something else while you were saying that yeah. about Dan not really remembering what his dad looks like. So there's this show called Skins, and it's like this UK teen drama. I watched it a lot. Like, I love the show. But for a little while, I had a hard time with it, because I was like, all the adults in the show are fucking idiots. And then it occurred to me at some point, it's because we're seeing them through the kids' eyes. Like, these adults and these, like, authority figures are all just doing stupid nonsense things, because... That's how the these teenagers are seeing it. And I wonder, too, if some of this isn't a little bit of that. Like, if you assume that everything was done intentionally, mm-hmm. that maybe this is just how Danny remembers Jack. Right. Because Jack was either explosively angry or incredibly Distance. coldly yeah. reserved when he yeah. was around Danny. Yeah. They also, also recognized in the AA meeting, like, Danny was able to go up there and say, I know my dad wanted to be up here. It's like he is basically. I think that's another so, reason I wanted to see a little bit of redemption on Jack. Yeah, because of that. Mm-hmm. And if you had made it a voice or a non-corporeal presence, you could have gone to Jack Nicholson and said, "I know you're retired. We don't want you to be in the movie. Just set up the mic 
and you could he could still have been a presence in the movie. Yeah, yeah. you should be a movie consultant because uh, clearly they don't have one. But well, what I was gonna say yeah. is that Danny is seeing is not his memory of Jack. The hotel is actually creating Jack and putting it there. So it should have looked like Jack Nicholson, which they couldn't do because Jack Nicholson's retired and old. When they drove up to the hotel, were y'all afraid that they were... All I could think about was the final shot of Jack in The Shining. So were mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, God. Like, it wasn't even on screen ever yeah. in this movie, but it was in my head. And they, they, they didn't make any hay out of the, the picture from the, the, the 30s with him in it. No. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. But how about that shot when they're driving up to the Overlook, yeah. and they come up over the lake, and there's that stand of trees, yeah. and they come yeah. up, and yeah. there's the car on That's the road, great. and you're like... That's all pulled from damn. the Cooper movie. Yeah. Like, Yes. Shot for shot. Yes, yeah. I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I think, like I said, that's one of the things I do enjoy about this is that when he does pull and recreate from Kubrick's movie, like, I think that's just... I really do think this is him mending that bridge between King and Kubrick. Like, this is sure. what that is. And I really liked the girl that got to be Shelley Duvall. She was fantastic. And she sounded like her. Like, I had to, like, she did sound like When she was screaming, Danny? Yeah. Danny? Yeah. I, I was like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah straight up flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. I was impressed. Going back to the beginning of the movie, I have a question for you guys. How much silverware is a normal amount of silverware to keep in your kitchen? Significantly less than that. <laughs> that was so... I didn't even... Yeah. I was like, we have 12 of each thing, and that's too that's much. Lot. Yeah. I don't remember why we bought three sets of the silverware, but it's a fucking lot of silverware. And when they went in there, I was like, holy shit, that's so many spoons. This is why people don't have enough spoons for their day. They're all in Abra's kitchen. <laughs> missing a spoon, just yell out, Abra. (laughs) (laughs) Did the hotel seem like it had really been lit to rot for 40 years? I didn't think so. And then I thought about it and then I realized, oh, Jack's been taking care of the place. Oh, I love it. He's the caretaker, so... Yeah, he's always been the caretaker, yeah. Yeah. Head cannon accepted. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, nope, totally fine. I have another question real quick about something that's ridiculous. Why do dudes do that arm length hug? They like to prove they're not homosexual. Oh, okay, that's what's happening. Wait, when did this happen? It's between Billy and Jack, like twice. Jack, god damn it, Danny. (laughs) Between Billy and Danny. Like twice, Danny goes to Billy's room in the middle of the night, and Billy does this like hard shoulder clap and then like a shoulder shake and it's like I want to give you a hug man but we're not allowed to touch it's like the hetero room hug. for Jesus room for Jesus it's like the hetero hug were you oh yeah. is that a hetero hug man yeah. I just I am I, I'm sorry nobody can see what we just did <laughs> it's, it's a little bit that but also these two are deep in a, in a in a process of trying to regulate their emotions in a ha- in a healthy way so there there's naturally going to be some distance it, it is that too but <laughs> The the respectful boundaries is what, still what y'all are saying, but also, you know. I I was just reminded of one of the things I desperately wanted to talk about, and I do have to give my friend Zeke full credit for this, because I don't think I would have noticed any of these things. The doctor's office? Well, that, yes. Yes, He was always like, oh my god, oh my god. I'm like, yes. Um, No, this movie had a remarkable number of callbacks to the whole Dark Tower series. Yes. When Dan arrives in town, he arrives on a bus called Tet 
transportation. I, okay, that is what. Okay, everyone's been talking about the bus, and I missed it both times. So thank you. Tet transportation, and then there was Caw as a wheel, mm-hmm. and the baseball boy was number nineteen. Fuck yeah, he was. Everything's nineteen. Oh fuck! I knew. I saw some of these things. I was like, I'm missing something, and I know it's from something else. But uh, well, and then Aver's room also has Caw. Like you've got her A, and then right above it is a K. Yeah. So. I'm always excited about Dark Tower stuff. Yeah, and it makes except me for the actual Dark Tower. Movie. <sighs> yeah, they can't all be winners. I know. I want to complain about something. Surprising no one. Yeah. <laughs> In the scene where Aver's at school and she's reading people's minds, all the boys are thinking about school and all the girls are thinking about social bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. I spent a couple of scenes being mad about that. Yeah. Also, I feel like the music in this was weird, and I think that maybe it was, he was trying to emulate some of what Kubrick did, Mm -hmm. but I was like, this is really tense music, and he's just walking down a street in the middle of the fucking day. (laughs) See, I don't remember hardly any music at all. I remember the heartbeat. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Like, okay, well, that's phoned in, in my opinion. But when we walked out, I said what this thing missed was menacing music. Like, there was no... Because watching The Shining, just that... It had... Yeah, you know, just everything. I was just like, ah! There was so much menacing music, but it was overusing it to the point that it didn't matter. Yes. Because it was like, here's menacing music in a scene where nothing is happening. Yeah. And so I'm like, I feel tense. Why do I feel tense? No reason. Okay, we're doing a new scene now. Nothing happened. Cool. <laughs> I have to go back and pay attention more to that because I just don't remember it. I don't almost at all. I remember a little bit here and there, and then at one point, did they bring back the shining music at the end? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit. Something it was definitely in the opening. Yeah, it was yeah. in the yeah. opening, yeah. and then nothing, and then maybe at the end there was like I don't know if it was the exact same or if it was just like used a the same song that the shining closed with. with mm. its, uh, oh. I wrote down the title: "Midnight, the stars, and you." you know, the mm. <laughs> yeah, something about being a romantic. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I was really upset that Teeny Town didn't pay off. That did seem like a lot of setup for nothing. For not even a thing. Like, literally nothing. Because he walks in, it's the first thing he sees. They have an entire conversation about it. He works there. Shots are filmed there repeatedly. And then we just leave town. And I was like, oh, okay. Cool set piece, I guess. What is Teeny Town again? Like, it's just a little model train. But it's in the movie. Yeah. In the book. I mean, yeah. yeah. Was it, I thought, oh, this is a miniature. Like how the Overlook Hotel had the miniature of the hedge maze. Yeah. That's literally all I thought it was. Sure, but I feel like this is Chekhov's unused set piece. Yeah, sure. In a movie that wasn't above visually tying it into the movie, there wasn't this... Because they're considering this miniature of the Overlook in, yeah. in The Shining, and there's yes. a lot of emphasis on it. There's really not a lot of emphasis no. on Teeny Town. There's not yeah. a moment where... Uh, Dan kind of looks at it and he's just like, oh, this reminds me of being a child. I have emotions. Yeah. (laughs) There was a scene where they were running through the town. Right. You know. Yeah. This is one of the moments where I felt like this is several movies here because it felt like Teeny Town should have been a set piece for like movie one. And then we have some sort of thing that happens in Teeny Town. And I don't know how it is in the book. Maybe Teeny Town pays off. Maybe it's just a cool little thing. But I was just... I there might was, be some flaws in the original text. Yeah. Well, I'm trying... What? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to remember. I think Teeny Town was always, even in the book, it's like, this is his job where he's just starting to work. Because there's not anything with Teeny Town, any action piece in the book. Because it's been a minute since I've read it, Donna. Do you remember? No. Okay. Um, I think the main 
the main point of Teeny Town in the book was to get him hooked up with Billy. Okay. Mm. And, and incidentally, incidentally, <laughs> when I read the book, I have read so much Stephen King, I feel like I have got him figured out, right? And so when Billy was introduced, I mean, almost immediately upon Billy being introduced, I was like, oh, that's the one that's going to die. I got heavy Judd vibes. He is going to die. In the book, he doesn't. Billy survives in the book, and I was actually like, oh, King, you got soft. <laughs> you let this guy live. And then they kill him in the movie. I, whenever... There's a, there's a some point when I thought the line from Pet Cemetery when you meet the man that should have been your father. <laughs> I was like, okay, so Billy's the judd of this. On the topic of Teeny Town not paying off, the doctor's office. I mentioned it a few. The minutes doctor's ago. office. Yeah. The doctor's office. I'm like, I see that, and it's it's everybody on board. Yeah. Like, what was going yeah. On it was. Oh, it yeah. was. Uh, what's his name? Bruce, uh, Bruce Greenwood's office when he when he gets the job. Yes. Yeah, yes. It was it, very it, much the, uh, the, uh, the office. In exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Omen. Omen. Yeah. Exactly. Omen's office too. It was the weird phantom windows yeah, with the lamps yeah, out yeah. the back. And shot for shot almost yes. of, yeah. of focusing on him and then going to Danny. It was a really... Since I hadn't finished the book, I was like, oh wait, has Danny never left the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't pay off in any right that way. You know, actually, yeah. now that you mentioned it, here is my theory mm-hmm. that I think would have been cool if they had given us something that we could latch onto and confirm it. What if it is shot for shot the same because what happened to Jack was a humiliating experience? for him. And what happens to Danny is actually kind of better. Yeah. Jack is in this interview and he feels very much like this guy is talking down. I think Jack has borderline personality disorder. But so Jack is there and he feels like he is being spoken down to by... Olman. Olman. Yeah. And Jack is just like, fuck you, you're going to get yours, rah, 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 I'm only being cool here because I need this job. But then Danny's in the office, and he has clearly been Jack at the beginning of this movie. But he's in the office, it's shot for shot the same, a lot of the same beats, a lot of the same sort of prying into his life is done. Yeah. But Danny is not reading it as being humiliating the way that Jack was. I would agree that. I think that's how it plays in the book, is Olman prize and Jack is, you know hostile and defensive, but in the context of the movie, almost nothing happens in that scene. It's just, we have a job here, and it's that, and Jack's like, okay, mm-hmm. You can tell, because it's Jack Nicholson's face, that he's like, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but if you put, say, Elliot's face on there, it would be nothing. Yeah. Jack Nicholson has resting, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Resting sociopathy. <laughs> this is actually why he retired. <laughs> you know, it was out of control. I think it just occurred to me, but in a lot of cases, we see Danny making the same sorts of mistakes that Jack made, mm-hmm. but then resolving them better. Like I mentioned earlier, when he doesn't take the drink in the Overlook Bar. Right. Break the cycle. Or when he successfully quit drinking. You know, he had the same problems as Jack, but he handled them better. At a point... Jack never really hit rock bottom until he got into the the hedge maze. Dan hit rock bottom a lot earlier and in a lot more controlled environment. Do you think Jack didn't hit rock bottom when he was wielding an axe at his wife? I don't think he would think he would have had. Because <laughs> I feel like that's more rock bottom than being in the hedge maze. I feel like there's already no coming back from taking an axe if to you, your if, wife. If you look at Jack's face, he's enjoying that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's not rock bottom. He is still in manic phase. It's only uh, as he's 
starts slowing down in the hedge yes. maze, and he realizes, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not saying we're talking objectively. About di- we're, di- we're, we're, we're talking about different planes. Yeah, yes. Yes. You have to define rock bottom. Because <laughs> a person has to get to their, realize they've hit rock bottom before okay. they are actually at rock bottom. And, and freezing to death in a hedge maze as you're chasing your terrified child. Right. Is, it's, it's pretty rock bottom. Not because he's chasing his terrified child, because he realizes he's not going to get out of that maze. Yeah. No, you, That's the problem. Yeah, you made a, a point about, about movie Jack. Yes. Like, like, I feel like this is not necessarily the case for Book Jack. I agree. Yeah. Book Jack has a little bit more complexity. Yes. Book Jack is a little bit more about dealing with trauma and yeah. issues, I think, than movie Jack was interested in. Book Jack is also a totem for Stephen King. Stephen King. I think yeah. almost yeah. every male character I've yeah. read in a Stephen King book is a totem for and Stephen I think, King. I've always thought that's why King kind of if, if blanched King, at the movie, because it took the King character and made him irredeemably awful. From the beginning. Yeah. Like, that's the thing in the book is Wendy, is it feels like in the book, this is a relationship that has not quite been repeatedly abusive. This is a relationship that could be, but it hasn't hit that yet. Yeah, maybe not that, but Jack's internal life is that he feels... I mean, and not legitimately, but he, he feels trapped by everything. Yeah. And he, there's a little bit of that in the book, but there's also love there that overrides, whereas Jack doesn't love Wendy. He doesn't love the kid that trapped him with Wendy. Yeah. And he's fine with all of them dying. Yeah. Well, and in the movie, like, he's so mean early on in yeah. places that he's not mean in the book. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Rose. Oh yeah, we got to talk about Rose. I really, I like the actress. I Mm -hmm. like the character. I like the fact that even while she's torturing a child to death, you still kind of like her. She's the Jack Nicholson of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson is magnetic in this film. You cannot take your eyes off her because she just walks that line of menace. I had seen her in other movies before, but I hadn't put it together that that was her. The lady from the Mission Impossible movies? I thought, oh, who's this new fantabulous actress they found? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's also in The Greatest Showman. Yeah, yeah. she's... Wait, who's she in The Greatest Showman? She's the, the, the diva, the opera diva that Hugh Jackman goes around with. Jenny Lind? Yeah. What? Yeah. That, that's how good she is in this movie. She <laughs> yep. disappears in a role that there's not, like, makeup or, or like, a lot of artifice in there. She's just being a presence on screen and, and completely making you forget that she's been in other movies. Yeah, so she was just she was just amazing. I love her hair was so like when she's in a grocery store, she's got this little ponytail on the back of her head, but it's all like off to the side and uneven as if she's just slept on it and gotten up and left the house. And yet it looks fantastic. It looks amazing. There was one point I thought she had part of a bicycle spoke in her hair braided in. I'm like, no, I think that's just some kind of metal working, but it looked like a bicycle. Yeah. Can somebody explain to me why she's called Rose the Hat? Because she wears a hat. I, okay, oh. her mom wears a hat. Nobody calls her mom the hat. I they, will call her mom the hat from now on. They all had those. That. Yeah. They all had those weird names like Snakebite, Annie, and yeah. the Crow. Like yeah. mafia names or like. Yeah. That's yeah. Why, when I heard Rose the Hat, I was like, "Well, that sounds mafia." I can't remember. She gives a more specific reason, and that hat I know in the book ties more to her than just yeah, I got a hat and I did magic. I, I thought for a minute maybe it was like a magneto helmet that it blocked her from other stuff. Yeah, but, see, well, I yeah. thought there was something with it because even when she's in the grocery store and uh, Abra has thrown her back, mm-hmm. somebody goes to pick up her hat for her and she kind of has a, yeah, a, yeah. like a she's minor like, freak out. Yeah. yeah, And so I'm like, what's the hat about? And then I'm, I'm angry at the end of the movie because there's another thing that didn't pay off. 
Yeah. What was it in the book? Like what? It has been so long since I've read See, the book, and I've only read it once that I can tell you the movie follows the same basic shape as mm-hmm. the book, and that's about as far as I can go. Except Dick Dead. Except <laughs> except Dick Dead. Motherfucker. I was strangely distracted through most of the movie by like why is she called Rose the Hat? I was just strangled by her because it was just like Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> she just killed it. And she was the first one I'd, before seeing this, I'd started to hear in some reviews, and everyone was calling out her. Yeah. Just like mm-hmm. she was the one to watch. Oh, I don't oh, have oh. the perfect balance of menacing and also like nurturing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. She did it. <laughs> I want to get it though. Can I get it? <laughs> one other like thing. Like <laughs> Menacing and nurturing. I feel like this is where the back half of my life I want to be that. I think step one is be Rebecca Ferguson. Okay, right. that's fair. That's fair. Forty years from now, they'll make a sequel to this movie and they'll just stick somebody in her role and they'll be like, "Come on, yeah. bring back bring back Ferguson if you're going to bring back the Ferguson." The technology's evolved. We don't need your actors Jennifer anymore. Jennifer Lawrence. Well, she. They look enough closer like. to the same age, though. Yeah. I don't know. Rebecca Ferguson's older than me, right? Jennifer Ish. Lawrence is younger than me, so that works. Yeah. The difference in age between Elliot and Jack Nicholson was... Oh, bigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when Rosie called Annie a pusher, that's a reference to Firestarter mm-hmm. that I'm almost certain was not in the book. I feel like I would have remembered that being in the book, but the male lead in Firestarter had an ability he called the push, which... Seemed very similar to what Annie was doing. My my uh, partner listened to a podcast about this. He didn't see it with me, by the way. <laughs> um, but he listened to a podcast, and uh, and he you know, he asked me what I thought of it after I saw it, and I was like, I oh, don't know, I didn't love it. And he was like, That's weird because everybody loves it. And I was like, Well, I don't know why you think that's weird, but moving on. <laughs> um, Have you met me? <laughs> been married for like thirteen years. I don't know. But uh, he listened to a podcast where they basically said, if you think of this as a, a superhero origin story. Story. For Abra? For Abra. Yeah. One of the things they mentioned was that the True Knot even has superhero names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the push. And, and then and then we had a whole conversation about how, what if Stephen King hadn't been told that he needed to write literary fiction? What if he had been allowed to write whatever he wanted? And so we would have things like Carrie and Firestarter yeah. and The Shining, which are all actually just superhero stories. Speaking of which, Kid plays Abra. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Amazing. And that, like, I think we talked about that with it. It's really hard to cast kids and cast kids mm-hmm. well. I mean, mm-hmm. a little little to the wrong direction, you've got episode one, and a little to the... <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> How about the kid that played the baseball boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, Trimble. that's Jacob Trimley. He's yeah. fantastic. Uh, he's, he was the little boy from Rue. <gasps> he was so... I just watched that. Yeah. He was so good in that. That was funny. At one Did point... Break, he's playing Flounder in The Little Mermaid. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that is... A fucking adorable. <laughs> but yeah, when he showed up in this, Billy and I looked at each other and was like, Jacob Trimley, what are you doing here? But yeah, I mean, I believe he was scared for his life. So yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. scene, like, he made that scene fuck. And I, like, I hated Rose in that scene because he was so good mm-hmm. that I was just like, you fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any like I had for Rose at that point was gone because he is too good a fucking actor. I, I didn't <laughs> like it from the beginning because that little girl. That little girl. I was just like, okay, oh. that's the Honey of Hill House little girl. Listen, I really need, as a parent to an adorable <laughs> little girl with brown hair, 
I really need movie makers to realize that there are adorable little girls with other colors of hair, and we need to stop just taking little girls with brown hair and blue eyes and doing terrible things to them, because for like the last three years, that's been the go-to adorable little girl that they use. Fucking Magneto's kid. Apocalypse? Yeah. Trying to follow along. Keep going. Yeah, just like all of, like, I can't even remember all the other ones now, because I'm just upset about it, but all these movies are like, we need something sad to happen to this parent. Let's do terrible things to their adorable daughter with brown hair and blue eyes. That's... That's the ticket right there. And I'm like, fuck you, movies. Yeah. Other children exist. <laughs> <laughs> like Abra. Uh, bad things happen to Abra. Yes, but I don't yeah. have to feel... But she's a full character in the movie, too. Yeah. And so I don't have to, like, watch a child that looks like my child be introduced for five minutes so they can die. I loved Abra's father's reaction when Danny showed up. Yeah. yeah. That was, that yes. was a for real right. reaction. Yeah. You are an yes. adult man around my young child. Fuck no. In a movie with some substantial plot holes, yeah. that was not. Yeah. That was one that could have easily been a plot hole where he's like, okay, Uncle Dan, come on in. <laughs> well, and what I really liked about it was Danny sitting there being like, did you show him? And she's like, I told him. And he's like, that's not that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never told my parents anything. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're all dead, Abra. Abra, we need you to do this. No, she was fantastic. And I liked even, you mentioned the superhero stuff. In her head, she looks like, you know, when yeah. she's doing the trap on Rose, she, she had, looks like a superhero. She looks like a superhero. She, she looks, looks like a fucking storm. Well, you see the little Which hand. I think you even see a storm. Yeah, like you figure. see the, there's a figure or something with that hair. I think it's that, storm. Okay. I, I feel like 98% confident it was an X-Men. Yeah. But you see that, and I like that she was at an X-Men? An X-Man. Yeah, an X-Person. X-Man. An X-Person. Yes. Yeah, that works. A staff an member at Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she was badass in that, and that trap, like, oh man, like, oh, that hurt my neck. Oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was I was literally there in the theater going, oh, oh, waving my hands in the air. Yeah, it was... It and it was, was all psychic. Yeah. It's not yeah. really a, a file cabinet there. But, but yeah. It, yeah, I thought it would be... I was like, degloving. Degloving, yeah. I learned from, from Donna's first biology lesson. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> Dick-loving? <laughs> De-loving. D-loving. 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 I literally heard dick-loving three or four times in the last half of it. I'm like, I need more information on this biology lesson that ends with the one word, dick-loving. Wait, not because of Debbie's husky voice right That's now. Right. I insisted that she said dick-loving. I knew exactly what she was saying. I still heard dick-loving. Thank you. Now I'm afraid maybe I accidentally Said dig loving. <laughs> no, you said D- I heard dig loving. <laughs> I think that her hoarseness is making it travel strangely. <laughs> I have another question. Did Dan ever do anything about the mom and the child he left to fucking die? I thought they did die. They oh, did. they did. Yeah. They super died. And then they the come. The kid died too? Yeah. And the yes. mom comes they back. There. The mom comes back in his attic room and is like, they haven't found us yet. The kid is there too. And, yeah. And yeah. then she rolls and he sees that the kid is underneath her. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on with his life. Did he call yeah. anybody, or is he just like, cool, I guess they're riding now. That's a plot point in the book. I don't, I can't remember if they actually die in the book, but that is one of the reasons he leaves. He is like, that's his rock bottom. That oh. is his rock bottom. It's like, that's one of the reasons he leaves, because he steals the money, and he leaves them, and then just, you know, moves the kid, 
And then that whole time, the reason he's running is he's like, oh shit, oh, they're going to find me, they're going to know I'm... So they were already dead when he... I don't think they, they weren't dead. I don't think they were dead. dead. No. no. They, they weren't dead when he But that was his fear. Like, I don't know. I can't remember. Like, it's been like the, Donna. It's been too long the since. The woman I, may have. Oh, they certainly OD'd. Oh, she, yeah. She, she had vomited. Yeah. All, but yeah. she hadn't vomited upwards and yeah. done a no, she, chain she, and break and bad. She, she, was not, she wasn't dead when she left. What he was actually upset about when he left was that he had stolen the money. He just, yeah. he could not get past himself stealing the money from that kid. Okay. Well, fucking good. I doubt he did anything. And my thought is that okay so their ghosts appeared to him and he's like well they're dead and she's like they haven't found us yet I mean they're gonna find him eventually Maybe, yeah. maybe, so maybe he didn't call it in. It's still yeah. really upsetting, it and is. I feel like it's something that I'm having a difficult time forgiving him for, mm-hmm. particularly because later on, but prior to him agreeing to help Abra, Dick says to him, seems to me you grew up fine, son. And I'm like, really, Dick? That leaves the question, did they really die, or is that just guilt manifesting itself. It's hard to parse out in a movie where ghosts are very real. Yeah. Is it a ghost or is it his guilt at not doing more? I don't feel them? like the movie know. gave me any reason to believe it was his guilt at not doing more. I think it did. But, but could you accept uh, it? Yeah. Could you make it that way in your head? You know, if Dick had said anything to him other than it seems to me you grew up fine, son, because <laughs> I'm like... Where have you been, Dick? You're right. <laughs> He's because clearly he, not fucking fine. Even at the moment there, Dick's like, the least you could do is leave them the money. It's it's not the least you could do is call an ambulance. Yeah. Yes. That's why I'm thinking they didn't die. And that That's what I'm attaching to. And the movie doesn't specifically say they're dead. I, I think both reads, you can get there and not make a lot of leaps, but that's the read I'm going with. I see what you're saying. I think yeah. I, I think my other issue at this point, though, is that we also don't know if he took the money in the movie. I, I thought he put it back. He put it back. Did he? Okay. He put it back. My read on it is that they were alive when he left. Yeah. But she died. And because she died, the baby died. That was what yeah. I thought happened. Yeah. 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 But that they yeah. weren't dead when he left. Right. right. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a little less guilty, but not... But then again, why didn't Dick say, hey, call an ambulance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because cars are wheel. Well, I think probably <laughs> because at this point, Dick's like, I don't know, my kid, you're fucked. Just don't take them running. That, but that, then he comes back around and says, you turned out all right. Which is so at odds with, with that literally album. everything that's yeah, happened in the movie yeah. up to this point. Right. It, that that line bothered me a lot. I was just like, compared to exactly fucking what, Dick? When did he say that? He his last uh, his last, last time his last visit with Danny at the hospice. Okay, okay. well then Danny well, did turn out fine yeah. at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, at that point. Yeah, but there'd still be some real bad ugliness there too. Yeah, but uh, he didn't murder his family, and he's not an alcoholic. Dick is picking a win here. <laughs> well, he is an alcoholic. He is an alcoholic. <laughs> He's not. He's in recovery. He's not a practicing alcoholic. Yeah. Right. He's a alcoholic. Word. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? The cuts of the digging scene were weird. It made it seem like they had been digging for like days. Yeah. Also, yeah, that was weird. I don't. And then I, they were like, oh, it's a shallow grave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also. That's not how you uncover things when you're digging. No, the foot just doesn't spontaneously appear six yeah. inches above the dirt. Yeah, and so suddenly they're like, <gasps> and I'm yeah. like, you've had a lot of time to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, come uh, on. When they, but when they showed, like, the fingers, I was like, ugh. Like, nah, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, the the rest of that scene was pretty good, but the lead up to that was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was just like, what are you, what's your goal here? Here's the thing I liked. I liked the way that they set up Billy as a deer hunter. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really well done because, you know, they're digging this 
And at first I was like, Billy, shut the fuck up. Why are you talking so much? And then I was like, oh no, this is one of Stephen King's introspective monologues that he does. Okay, yeah. this is this is a Stephen King thing and I can handle it. We're fine. <laughs> but, but the Stephen King monologues are usually kind of off topic. But then this one came back and was important. And I was like, good job. Yeah. This is a really this good... One, this one mattered. <laughs> it was gross. Yeah, it, was, it, 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 it went well. I loved it. I have a note on here that says, what was with the Saul... Bets. I'm trying to figure out what I wrote. Seatbelts. Seatbelts. Yeah. Because uh, she, well, she, she, she had double seatbelts. She had double seatbelts, and she didn't seem to be able to get out of them until she was. This is a drugs. Uh, like I thought that maybe there were some sort of weird like locking seatbelts for some reason, but then she just gets out of them fine when the car crashes. Yeah, that is weird. The movie has some plot holes. <laughs> one big one that I think we'll get to on our poll. I wish they would have a Q&A session with, like, the directors or whoever makes some of these decisions. And, and so we could just come out and be like, what was with the double seatbelts? And they can be like, oh, well, we thought blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. Or we're like, no. Beauty commentary. I have several notes here whenever they get to the Overlook telling them to turn off the car already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are they going to like the scene otherwise? (laughs) Well, after they've got the lights on in the Uh, hotel, they still leave the car running. And I'm like, my dudes, that's not a short drive. you got to turn that car off so you've got the gas to get home. Rose turned off the scrambler. That's all that you need to know. That's how. Yeah, I guess so. Also, though, how the fuck old is Abra? Was she driving down those mountain roads covered in snow? I don't think she was because you see the police coming. Yeah. Like, when oh, she comes that's, out, right, that's right. You see the police, so she's not... They see be- the Overlook go up, and they're like, oh, something's going on with the Overlook. I have a question about the whole, like, driving there, because wasn't the whole fucking point of having Jack Torrance and his family there was because it was impassable during the fucking winter? Right. And yet they just drove right up? In the Shining book, mm-hmm. uh, they talk about going back down into the town yeah. several times mm-hmm. prior to the big snows. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are small snows. Okay. Because they okay. even talk about it's snowing like while they're at the library <laughs> but in the movie which this is a sequel to yeah you're absolutely right okay yes because dick dead because dick dead <laughs> um we get the donna side every time my other little problem is we are in a colorado mountain in the middle of winter and rose just has her sleeves pushed up she's, I mean, like, she's down to like business this. she's getting down to business she's evil Does evil make you warm? Because I think I want to be evil. Maybe? (laughs) I don't know. Or it could make her. (laughs) No, listen. She's not not evil. Okay. (laughs) Who's not evil? Me or Rose? You're not evil. Oh, thank you. Rose. I was like... (laughs) Rose did have also a whole lot of steam. That's a low bar. I guess that's true. She she, was jacked up on steam. She was jacked up on steam. We assume steam is like cocaine. Yeah. And she's good to go. She's jittering to create I mean, she was jacked up on the steam. I did find it interesting that Dan's outfit was kind of inverted to Jack's. She, she's also undead. Oh, yeah. So the cold doesn't really matter. The cold never bothered her anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did find that interesting because, like, it's inverted, like... Mm-hmm. Well, I have another inversion. Jack died in the hedge maze, freezing to death, and Dan dies in the boiler room, burning. Mm. Yeah? Mm. I like it. And then, at peace. Whereas, at yeah, peace. Yeah. Whereas Jack is at rock bottom as he dies. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's why he's still the um, He is literally that meme where he's sitting there with all the fire burning. He's like, yeah. this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. I really loved Rose's delivery of, oh, sweetie, I seem to have nicked your femoral artery. <laughs> Once again, it's that menacing and magnetic mm-hmm. that she does. I do appreciate Flanagan. What he does with his stuff is he keeps kind of like a group of actors that he'll yes. work with. Very theater troupe-esque. 
risk, you know, seeing people from Hill House in this mm-hmm. and other things. Like, I, I like that, and I always think that's kind of a fun thing to see. So I want to compare this movie to 13 Ghosts. All right. Because that's sort of where it went at the end here. Yeah, all right. Dan is like, I gotta wake it up. And he goes through, and I just sort of almost expected him to just, like, like box out of my head. There you go, twins. You're in your hallway now. Moving on. Um, but that's almost what he did. Like, he brings them back. And the whole end of this movie felt really anticlimactic to me. Like, And I think that a lot of this is because the trailer fucking lies. The trailer is telling me we're going to go spend some time in the Overlook. And there's going to be some crazy stuff and some like creepy vampire things. And we get there and we are only in the Overlook for like... 10, 15 minutes of a three fucking hour movie. And we only get to see or interact with these things that the trailer has fucking promised us. I feel very strongly about this for just a little bit. And that really bummed me out. I'm saying I was okay with that because... I love haunted houses. Oh, no, I love them too. But since I've... In the book. (laughs) (laughs) You knew. You knew knew that the trailer was lying. Yeah, Yeah. I knew the trailer was lying, and I knew that it would be third act. I didn't know how it was going to play out, and if we're getting movie jack or book jack, but I knew... That's third act. And also, I remember when, when you saw the trailer and was like, well, it's just vampires. And I remember sitting there going, well, oh, mm. You didn't just sit there and think that. You told me that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, they're not. I mean, okay. Well, <laughs> right. when down to their basicness, it's like, yeah. yeah, okay. You know. They're undead, parasitic Psychic vampires. Yeah, yeah. They're a form. They're a form of vampires. I'll give you that. Speaking of being in the Overlook Hotel, and when Rose walks in, and she sees the elevators, and they do their thing, Mm -hmm. and she goes, huh, like, that's cute. Yeah, she's just not impressed. I was like, that irritated me, because I'm like, that was horrifying. In the first movie, you're just like, what? You know? Well, I think the goal here is to show us how she she knows the world. But, like, she walks past all... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was pretty much it. Just she trivialized it, and I was like... She trivialized the whole hotel. But after saying it was such a source of power. Yeah, and so I'm like, she can't... I I, I guess the headcanon that we're supposed to make here is that there's some sort of protection on the overlook so you don't know how powerful it is Mm. immediately. But, like, she walks by it, and I just want to be like... You've been around a while. Maybe you should, like, react to threats. Like, if a thing is like, let me show you this blood pouring out of these elevators, I feel like as an apex predator, you should be like, hmm, is this concerning to me? (laughs) This place seems to think it should be concerning to me. I love that you described her that way because that was the sense I got of her every step of the way is that she was a predator. She was an apex predator and just the way she moved through the world. Like a fucking shark. Yeah. Yeah. She's like gliding through everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, I very much want us to wrap up. Who else has something very important to say? Uh, I have one little thing, okay. and this movie does one of my favorite things, which is casual diversity, and it always makes yes. me so happy when I see it, because it's just like, it's there. I want to agree with you, and I do for most of it, but only old white men die in this nursing home that he works in. Oh, okay. Oh, I will give you that. I'm talking more of speaking roles and not just, here's just a little scene to show Dan's growth. I'm talking... But in New Hampshire... If you're gonna do in New Hampshire, are you gonna run into a character like Billy? Mm, okay. Like, like I think if, you, if you're gonna make that argument, then you, then the older people living there would have been there for a while, and I, I think diversity might be new for New Hampshire. I, I think that I think it, you're already you've already got Billy, you've already got Abra and her family. There's no reason that you can't be like, hey, calling extras to die. 
We've got two. We can make at least one of these not an old white man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But did you notice that the movie... I'm sorry, I'm not arguing with you. No, you're fine. Did you notice the movie never once told us she was a black girl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never, there was no... If you if you could not see the movie, would you even know she was black? And and the book, from what I saw in Differences uh, Between Abra, is literally Dan's niece. Yeah. Because it turns out her mother was one of Jack's illegitimate children. Oh. Yeah. That's why the whole oh, Uncle that, Dan... Yes, thank you for bringing that up. I did read that. Uh, not the book. I read that in the yeah. spoiler thing somewhere. That made me want to talk about something that really bothered me about this movie that I did not write down. And that's the fucking line when Crow Daddy is all like, I don't know if it's Netflix or cell phones or what, but people just don't shine the way they used to. And I fucking hated that because so many things do that bullshit. And I'm like, dudes... It's not a big deal. Everybody did this with books. Everybody did this with newspapers. Every fucking technological advance that has happened, people get like this with. And you know what? Maybe it's the fact that you're fucking killing all the yes. people with the shine when they're goddamn children. Maybe this is your fault because you're literally stopping them from breeding. Is the shine its own character? And it's like, oh, I need to shine less because I'm getting ripped <laughs> off here. I don't have a problem with that because it's coming from him. A child kidnapper and murderer. Okay, wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not like, hey, wait a minute, buddy. I guess, I yeah. guess that's just, you're, you're right on that. They're just developing a tolerance to the shine. And, and he's clearly <laughs> old, so older people are gonna tend to be like that. I like what you just said about the shine being its own character because that sort of, I feel like, falls in line with a lot of the mythology that Stephen King puts into things. If the shine is something akin to, like, the turtle. Mm-hmm. I also have to call out Crow though because that is a native actor, and that is the for me, you know that's a huge deal for me to the fact that he's speaking. He is not just hey walking by generic. And you know. he's a really competent character. Yes, he is. So I I have to when I notice stuff like that from Billy to him, like I have to call that out. It shouldn't still be a new thing to be excited about, but it is a fucking new thing, and I have to be excited about it. I'm with you. I wish that they weren't always the bad guys. I I will give you that, and sadly, this is morsels that I'm just, I'm having to grasp at. Mm -hmm. They all can't be uh, the trickster from Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, I, like, I loved that they had Crow Daddy like that, but again, I was just like, I wish that, ever since you weren't a child murdering kidnapper. (laughs) I can't tell you, though, like, seeing him drive the Scrambler as my father who owned a Scrambler, like, seeing a native man driving a Scrambler, I'm like, oh, that's hitting home. Like, that's just, (laughs) that's just what it is, man. Shall we wrap up? Alright, I have our quotes. Oh, I liked that the inside of Dan's mind was the overlook. Mm, yeah. The hedge maze, specifically. So, yeah, specifically yeah. the hedge maze. I really enjoyed the the like visuals of what everybody's brains looked like. Mm-hmm. And now I wish I'd propose this as a poll question. We'll add it on. We can add it on, because, yeah. But I, I, I like that. That's a definite keen callback on mm-hmm. di- from, like, Dreamcatcher and stuff. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Okay. Our quote. Of quote. The world is a hungry place, and darkest things are the hungriest. And I have a rule, which is basically shine on and don't let yourself be dim. All right, Mac, you had our poll. Why didn't Rose the Hat and crew sense what was happening to Danny in 1980? I Someone mentioned it earlier. I think there was some kind of shield over the Overlook. Basically, no, okay. hear, hear me going. out. Yeah, keep going. The Overlook is its own predator. Sure. And that's its food. Danny is its food. It's not going to start letting things, you know. So you're saying the Overlook is like an octopus. 
Yes. And it's just camouflaging itself. Yes. The problem I have with that answer. I know. I know where you're going yes. with it, and I have no... I don't know where he's going with it. Danny, in The Shining, communicates directly to Dick. Oh, I do know. Yeah, that's what I said. I knew to where... To call him yeah. back. Let's say that Danny is using, a, a, a in, in radio parlance, a very focused transmission. Still going to Florida, where this movie firmly establishes where they are at that point. Rose and her crew, because it opens in Florida when they when they take the girl at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So the problem I have, yes, there could be some form of psychic shielding or, uh, surrounding the Overlook, but then the plot of the original movie doesn't add up. Unless, 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 unless the Overlook allowed that signal to get out to bring Dick back, that it could also feed off Dick. That is, that's dinner. And desserts. <laughs> but they, they, they had so many opportunities to feed off Dick and never did. But Dick was never worn down. Dick was always Dick on... Dick establishes, I think, that the Overlook was sleeping. Yes. Until Danny got Danny there. Yeah. Up. Danny woke uh, Danny. Because, because yes, Dick, Dick was like, I shine, you glow. And that's fine. The, the other problem I have with that is that very specifically, Grady tells Jack in The Shining that he's brought an outside element into the situation and they use the N-word, which we're right. going to use here. Um, so, they're not thrilled with Dick coming back. No, and I, and that's why I say that I think Danny is the feast. Right. Dick is the side you order with your steak. But you don't say, I would like a steak, and then be alarmed that they bring you potatoes. No, but you're still going to eat the potatoes. You're still going to eat the potatoes. And the, I did eat the potatoes. But, but the overlook like, is alarmed. The overlook is like, yeah. what the fuck? I did not ask for potatoes. What the fuck are these potatoes? Get the potatoes out of here. <laughs> this is a baked potato one, clearly yeah. I wanted. Oh, Red skin, garlic, mashed yeah. potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> My thought was maybe the True Not people were like fucking high on other steam and they couldn't, like they were just having a fucking steam orgy over here I'd and be totally they were not that. able to. But that'd be headcanon, like something, I would like something in this movie. Instead of showing that. us them eating Violet in that case, they right. should have showed us them having like a fucking steam party or some shit. That, or they, they could still have Violet, you have them consuming her at the very instant that Danny's communicating, and they miss it because they're in such a euphoria. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there should have been something, some hand wavy thing to happen yeah. to tell us why they missed it because they're in the same fucking state. Yeah, so I think <laughs> real quick that scene, that scene didn't happen in current time. That was back in the that was in the it was in nineteen eighty, okay. roughly concurrent with the original movie. Okay, did not quite catch that or yeah. didn't remember it. So I think Danny's hiding himself. I think Danny was so Danny traumatized yeah. by what right. happened in the Overlook that he actually was hiding. I totally buy why they didn't pick up on him after that, mm-hmm. that he was hiding. But at the instant where shit goes south in the original movie and mm-hmm. he calls Dick there, why did they not pick up that moment? Okay, That's exactly it, too, because yeah. they picked up Abra while she was doing some weird thing. Right. Like, there's yeah. no reason that they shouldn't have picked up Danny when he was active. No, they picked up her. Abra because she was spying on them. Mm-mm. Crow Daddy picked her up first. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No, wait. No, no, she was spying on them. She, they found her when she was watching them kill Baseball Boy. Yeah, yeah that's and, how they... And, and Rose picked up on her first. I thought that Crow Daddy went mm-hmm. to Rose and was like, there's somebody up here. Oh, I guess that, that was, was the, the blonde girl. Yeah. Yeah, that was Baseball Boy. I, I think I was mixing up Baseball Boy. Oh, okay. And you could even have... You could even, it would have been a much more interesting prologue. Let's say they did pick up on it. 
but they get there too late mm-hmm. because obviously they, they left the hotel at the end of that movie. They get there and they approach the hotel and it's so powerful that they get turned back. Mm. And that would even set up the third act with a little more tension. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like The Shining was fan service. Right. That would have felt like The Shining was a thing. It, they could have even gotten there and found Jack's body frozen and tried to take some of the mist from him because there's a little bit of it in him. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's good. But they're... There's something more here like that we're Dan, missing. There, for a lot of this movie, I felt like Dan was irrelevant. And I feel like that would have made... If they were sort of always a little bit on the hunt for Danny, yeah. that would have made me feel like Dan had some part in the story. I feel like most of this movie could have happened without Danny Torrance. Sure, there are little things that would need to be changed, but I would watch a movie about Abra. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I would too. Like, I would watch it, and I think it would be more focused. I think <laughs> snaring the trap for them at the Overlook doesn't happen without Danny. You're right. It yeah. doesn't. But I think Abra could have come up with something else. She's something yeah. Or the reason that they didn't pick up on Dan mm-hmm. is that because they've been eating well. They were so well fed that they're not having to look that often. And so they're, I mean, it's kind of, kind of yeah. think of like a good food coma. Think of it as a good food coma that you're just kind of laying back. You're not looking. But so that'd be along the lines of if they were so high on, on yeah. violet stuff at that moment that they, it just passed over them. Well, so yeah. at that point, I have to wonder what has happened since 1980 and now to make food so much harder to find. Goddamn video games and the youth and Game Boys and Fun. haircuts. Well, and, and, and haircuts. <laughs> well, and Crow kind of talks about it with kids being medicated. Like That's certain med- certain medications because he was afraid. He does yeah. mention it. I'm not That's saying... I forgot about that. I, that is an element yeah. that a lot of horror or like sci-fi does that yeah. makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Guys, take your meds. Yeah, take meds. Yeah. But also... <laughs> Some kids Taking were, medication is self-care. Yeah. Uh, yes, but also in the 90s, some kids were probably overdiagnosed and overmedicated. Mm-hmm. Some. Some, sure. But yeah. I just, as a person who takes medication that keeps me from wanting to fucking die all the time, right. take your fucking no, meds. Yeah. But I think that may, maybe that's some of it. You know, it's not great. Because, I'm not saying it's... I'm, because in the context of this universe, somebody who shines could be confused for someone who is mentally ill, and it could have been drug. Well, and if you take the idea that Danny Torrance is, and even Jack, to uh, are self-medicating with alcohol to stop it, sure, it makes sense. It's just... There's some ugly side It's a yeah. theme that makes yeah. me uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. It's a theme that I find very interesting, and it's a cool story plot, but at the same time, I'm kind of like... You almost want that story and then also have somebody who is just, I say just, who is actually mentally ill but doesn't have powers and the medication helps them. You have that counter where, yes, the medication, there's a dark side to it because it can stifle some things if not applied correctly. Yes. But then it is life-saving for many. Yes, I think that's what a lot of a lot of stories that do that thing are missing is the, but no, this is not universally across the board bad. Yeah. So that's my headcanon with this. Why maybe that's some of the the food difference is that. As somebody who hasn't read Gunslinger, I just realized, I'm calling back to something we said earlier. The number 19, I wanted it to pay off more, but now I realize it was just a callback to something in the Dark Tower series. Yeah. And that's a little bit annoying because it felt like a setup for something. It's an Easter egg for... This is an Easter egg that you hid in the middle of the yard. Yeah, no, I'm not Say it once. That's an Easter egg. That, that, but Almond's office, where it's like really clear that it's yeah. the same office, and you're like, why is this happening? And it's yeah. never built upon it. You know, I love, though, that they didn't explain. Like, like, if you have not seen The Shining, mm-hmm. 
Would you have any idea what red rum meant? Just all of a sudden, there's red rum. There it is. If you didn't know, red and rum I know, is I know it's sort of ubiquitous. I, I get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying they didn't explain that. Yeah, and there's a couple of other things they just didn't explain, and I so, liked that. Wasn't a lot of the advertising hinging on the red rum on it the was, posters? Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're trying to cash in on that. Okay, but my point yeah. is they didn't explain. It. They didn't explain it, and some of it didn't need explaining. Like I like red, you could leave that red rum there and never explain it, and it's fine. His actual first shot is seeing it in the mirror, is seeing the word murder in the mirror so that it says red rum. And I loved that because it was... But that's the source of it in The Shining, well, is right. it sees it in the mirror. But, but but we were introduced to the word as red rum. Yeah. I like that part. Okay. Uh, anyway, what was my question? Uh, what what would your head look like? Can I go first? Yes. All right. So I talk about this a lot and I totally steal this from another piece of Stephen King work, but I like saying that I have a memory warehouse. So it's like mm. some sections are really dirty. There's like, you know, files that are kind of halfway open. There's a whole section under lock and key with my not so secret boyfriends that are all over there <laughs> that, you know, you got to flash an ID. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually greeting of the new ones he's like so I'm going to show you the rose he's the doorman yeah. he's like I'm going to show the you the caretaker <laughs> you've always been here sure takes care of Kinsey the ropes, but I always, like I said, I just pictured this dusty warehouse, and it's used in Dreamcatcher, and after I saw it in Dreamcatcher, I'm like, oh, farts, that's my brain. So, <laughs> I'll go with, like, a cave. It's like a little, little, you know, dank, dark, little damp cave. I love that what we see in the movie is, like, a cathedral and a beautiful bedroom filing cabinet, and we're like, an old warehouse, a cave. <laughs> okay, well, here I go. Okay, I want you to imagine, like, a small room that's been turned into a study, and this person is not very neat, and they've got just like piles of this, paper. This person, this hypothetical third this person, hypothetical <laughs> person who's not very neat, and their desk is just a pile of papers. And probably at one point they brought an apple in there and set it down, and then it got covered up by papers, and now it's rotten. And there's just stuff all over the floor, and maybe some laundry that needs to be cleaned. In your study? No, in my brain. Why is there laundry in the study in your brain? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I walk into a room and because this come on. <laughs> Yeah. They just took their clothes off in their bed okay. and they're studying. You want to go? To- <laughs> you go. It's your question. Um, I think that probably my head looks like a cross between an abandoned video store and a library. Or like an abandoned merch table at a concert, maybe. And you just have to thumb through the box, the shoebox of CDs to find the thing you're looking for. Mostly it's full of 80 song lyrics. Uh, probably a movie theater, but not yes. like every theater is actually devoted to screening movies. Most of them are. Some are like, like you got an editing bay in there, and then it's very compartmentalized. And that's where you take out the bad memories. You're just like, right. sip, yeah. sip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it smells like popcorn. Like perfectly cooked popcorn? No, actually not great popcorn. Because that, oh, that's, that's what a movie theater is. Yeah. <laughs> not my movie theater. Well, our movie theater smelled amazing. If I was making popcorn. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else with Dr. Sleep? That's oh. a long movie. It was. It was. It was a little fat in the middle. I'll, yeah. I'll grant you that. I thought multiple times throughout this that I wish this had been a TV show so we could just slow down. Because I felt like we were going really fast for a really long movie. For being called Dr. Sleep and then them doing the whole he helps people die, that was pretty much the end of that, right? That was maybe 20 seconds in a two, hour, two and a half hour movie. Yeah. I, w- I wondered about the title, too. 
Because, like, I was like, why is it called Dr. Sleep? And then we saw Snake Bite Annie, and I was like, oh, she's Dr. Sleep. And then it's like, oh, she's actually not that important. Ha, ha, ha. And so then it was like, he's helping people go to sleep and die. Okay. So that's why it's called Dr. Sleep. And then we get to the end, I'm like, I don't know why it's called Dr. Sleep. It is helping people die, but, like, the book is, like, crazy thick. Like, and... Oh, 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 you're saying King wrote an overlong book? What do you say? I, I think that perhaps more people who are making King adaptations need to fucking realize that you're not making one movie based on one book. Basically everything, unless you're fucking doing Elevation, <laughs> is gonna be fucking... And don't do Elevation. It doesn't need to be a movie. It doesn't. Uh, it's gonna lose everything. It'd be a six-minute movie. Yeah. Like, you, you are looking at a TV series or a miniseries or a multiple-part movie like It. Just stop trying to make it one movie. It's not gonna happen. Or pick one part. Mm-hmm. But even with a multi... Like, with It... The second part is not as good as the first part because all the best part. Like I say, make one movie, but make it sing and make it be the best parts of the book. I think the problem with it is that they didn't know if they were going to get the second movie. They hoped, and so they're like, let's kind of try to set it up. Yeah, I think also the adults are less interesting than kids. I mm-hmm. and we've talked about that. Yeah, talked I, I, about but that. I think some of that is that they gave some of the more interesting adult stuff to the children. With Doctor Sleep, I think they could have easily made a movie of like Danny as Jack Torrance part two becoming Danny. Like that whole first part in the fucking teeny town place could have been a movie. And then we could have an Abra movie. And then the third movie is the crossover team up Mm. where we go to the overlook. There are, in my opinion, at least three distinct movies here. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate your support. Uh, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at, at Beyond Cabin, Instagram and Facebook, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. We do have a webpage, beyondthecabininthewoods.com. Uh, we do film videos where we discuss rule, poll, and quote. So we have a Patreon if you want to see that, which is Beyond the Cabin. Uh, we are part of the Gumby Cat Network, so definitely give them a shout or take a peek at some of their great titles. It's good stuff. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please review us. I was looking at my podcast the other day. Lots of podcasts have lots of reviews. Give us a review. Yes, review us. We, we like reviews. And don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is? Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people.